Yeah, I mean, so um, now that we have everyone on the stage, we can, I um, basically let you guys go in any direction you want. Um, I just switched to my wizard, too, so I was a little preoccupied with that. Um, but, yeah, we could talk about upcoming plans, what you're working on, um, some things going on in the community, whatever you, whatever you want to talk about. The stage is yours. Cool. Um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just start out with a little bit of uh, thoughts about what exactly Forgotten Runes is and what it means, what it's all about just sort of a high-level concept approach to what it is. Um, you know, a lot of people ask us, like, what does Forgotten Runes actually mean? Like, who forgot them? What, what, is that, what, is, what, is, what, is, what are the runes about? And to that, I would say it's, it's not the wizards who forgot. It's actually the rest of the world. And it's the wizard's job to remind them about the runes. And so then what is the runes? It's... Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's a broader concept. It's, it's something that represents any sort of esoteric information that is just sitting in the ether. The runes are about taking large, indescribable concepts and presenting them to the world in a new way. And so, for example, I often tell Dota that he himself is a wizard. Because what is he doing? He's, he's using strange, abstract, coded characters to create something uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't write a smart contract. He, he basically wrote a spell book. He wrote a spell book that literally summons wizards. And I think artists are actually wizards as well. They're, they're alchemists. They take really base materials like paint and paper and pixels, and they transform it into something that's beautiful and valuable. The same can be said for poets and writers. They're actually bards and spell singers. They use words to transcend the banality of common speech. And that's what these wizards are. They are conduits to the wizards inside you. You summoned wizards, and now these wizards are going to summon you. Because this is what a wizard does. He puts his mark on the world. He puts his rune on the door. Bro, you just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> Off the dumb. Oh my god. Damn. That was unscripted, oh, just off the top, just dropped it. Keep it, keep it coming. Down. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, that was yeah. so, Dota, you're a wizard. Tell us, uh, tell us about your spell book. So, you know, some of the things that we'll talk about here maybe are a bit old news to folks who've been in our Discord, but I know there's a lot of newer folks here, and I think that... <laughs> I, th I think that one of the important things about uh, the wizards is when we were building them out, we'd seen a lot of like one dimensional trait systems um, in a lot of the portfolio picture projects that we'd seen. And folks would kind of come up into our uh, discord and they kind of ask us, you know, uh, can someone tell me what rank my wizard is? Right. They want a number that's between one and 10,000 so they can kind of know how much they paid for it and see where they stand. And, one of the things that was important for us was like, it's not, it's not about having a one dimensional rank uh, in terms of like how rare your wizard is. It's about having like an entire collection. Like the, it was important to us that everyone who minted a wizard loved that wizard. Like you never get a wizard that you that you don't like. Or, or, and so uh, 
part of the the system that we've we've talked a little bit about that's special about Forgotten Runes Wizards is this idea of affinity. Um, and so folks who have been in the Discord have heard about this, but I'll start maybe from the beginning, which is this idea that like, let's say that you're trying to do this kind of generative project. You're trying to take um, this certain set of like, you know, items. You've got unicorn horns and Venus flytraps and uh, all these different heads and combinations. If you simply, if you simply just like say, okay, pick a random one and generate 10,000 combos of like random stuff, it, they look terrible. Like, they, they don't they don't like you might get some that are funny you might get some wizards that are like a funny combination right where you have this like beer big bearded white guy on like some like you know black skin bikini girl or something right and like it, it, it might be funny or something but it's not necessarily good and, and and that was one of the things that we were really going for with wizards was like we don't want it to be ironic we want every wizard to be really good um, but how do you do that where you still like we can't paint 10,000 wizards specifically. And so you have to kind of like craft this code to say like, look, I want you to pick randomly, but I want you to find traits that, that work well together, that feel good together, they look good together, and they have like a sense of cohesiveness. And so we kind of developed in our generator this idea of affinity. And the idea of affinity is sort of, um, you take these individual parts and you might say like, well, this is an item that a water wizard might have. This is the sort of like clothing that a water wizard might wear. This is the rune that a water wizard would have. And then sometimes as you're generating, try to bring that cohesiveness of having like uh, what we would call like a water affinity to this wizard. And you see the same thing with fire. You might see with eyeballs. You might see with the forest, right? Like when you think about what a forest wizard would have as his familiar companion, um, there's a certain set of things that would work, right? Like it would work for him to have a fox uh, or an owl or these sort of things, but uh, and so we, we, but it might not work to have, you know, a fish or something. So we've been able to kind of, with this guided randomness to craft every wizard to have this like, sh uh, well, not every single wizard, but for a certain set of wizards to have this third dimension of affinity, which is sort of the, uh, uh, the a sameness among the traits. Yeah, the end result of, the, of this affinity feature of our generator was that the, the whole collection feels more cohesive. Each wizard feels like it's got like a unity to it, a, co a cohesiveness to it. And I think like the, end, the, the result of that was it made the, each wizard feel like they have more of a story behind them. They're not just random jumbles of parts. All the parts are put together in a meaningful way. Right, and from there we 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 even took those parts and you use them uh, to kind of name the individual characters. Um, so when we when we give each character a name, it's not like you just have wizard seven eight nine six. You know, the, there's a specific wizard name of like, um, you know, uh, the archmage uh, Devin from the Downs or something like that. Uh, and those names, along with the traits along with the images are all fully encoded on chain. So uh, part of the benefit of a Forgotten Runes wizard is that it can always be recreated from data on the Ethereum blockchain. You know, if we disappear, if IPFS disappears, everything goes down. If someone has yeah. a copy of the Ethereum blockchain, these wizards can be recreated both in images and in, in, in names. Can you walk us through a little bit of like how that works exactly? 
I would love to. Yeah. So um, credit where credit was due, the person who really unlocked this, uh, the implementation that we went with was uh, Owen from Oxmons. So he has been super supportive for us along the way. And he basically, uh, it, we were chatting in Telegram and he, he basically said, you know, you don't need uh, to use, okay, I'm going to get a bit technical. When you store data on Ethereum, uh, maybe let me roll back a little bit just to give context. Okay. Most, most NFTs have images that are quite large. And of course, everyone knows that you can't store large files on the Ethereum blockchain. The storage is simply too expensive. Um, and so what they'll do, so let's say um, punks, for example, punks will say, well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll hash the image of every single punk and we'll store that hash on the blockchain because the hash is very small, right? It's like, it's very cheap. You can store that for, you know, less than a Uniswap transaction. Um, and so what, what they say is, you can always verify that the, the validity of the punk's image because you can hash it using these standard tools and you double check to make sure that the strings match. Okay, so just simple cryptography. But the punk's images, you know, in the original conception weren't on chain. So what a lot of folks will do is they'll use IPFS. IPFS is great because you can store a lot of data. And it also gives you um, the cryptographic guarantee that the content of the image uh, is fulfilled from like the creator's intent, right? If one pixel changes, the hash entirely changes. But the downside of that is that if no one is keeping track of the files on IPFS, your images can literally disappear from the internet like completely. And as a collector, maybe you downloaded your NFTs, but if there's other people who didn't download their NFT images, the collection kind of becomes soiled. Like maybe you can say, uh, well, there's a benefit because there's fewer remaining, but there's also a sense in which these are like lost parchments, uh, lost to history. And so there's like, in a way that they didn't need to happen. Um, so I think if you own an NFT that is stored on IPFS, it's a good idea for you, honestly, to personally download all of the metadata and archive your own copy of it because it doesn't exist on the Ethereum blockchain. So it doesn't have kind of these same Persistence guarantees. This okay. is why so we that's like maybe the art blocks. The context of the problem. Exactly. Yeah, art blocks does this. So, okay, but the problem is, is that you can't store ten thousand wizards pixels or names and attributes on uh, the blockchain because it's uh, too big. Actually, take a step back. That might actually be possible. If you, the wizard images are technically actually only uh, fifty pixels by fifty pixels, and we scale them up. So I haven't sketched it out, but I actually think that you could take all 10,000 and put them next to one another and uh, upload it. That might be feasible. It's maybe about uh, half a megabyte of data. Um, but you can do better than that. One thing you can do is the typical way of storing data is use what's called um, S-Store. And that's the expensive part. But part of what happens on the Ethereum blockchain and maybe the trick is that any transaction that gets submitted to the blockchain is recorded for all history. And so you don't actually have to store the bits in a storage slot. You actually can just say the bits on the blockchain. So if you look at our contract, the method for storing these pixels on the blockchain is actually completely empty. And so then people see that and they say, oh, so you're not storing it online on the blockchain at all. Or they, look, they say, oh, you're still holding it on IPFS like everyone else. 
And it's too wrong in two ways. One in that we do store it on IPFS as a mirror for OpenSea and compatibility issues. But the uh, simply by fitting that image data into a transaction, it's like you're in court and you're speaking something in the court of Ethereum and it's getting written down on the record, right? If, you, if you're in court and you say something, they type it down, they put it in the record. But unlike uh, uh, like a human court, something cannot be deleted once it's been included in the court of Ethereum. So simply by saying the images out loud and then providing the instructions to say, okay, go, here's how you interpret what I, what I said. That's how we have a storage of all of the data on the blockchain. Um, there are more interesting technical details that I could go into, but I don't know if I'm boring people to tears here. No, nah, man, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool to hear. Okay, so one yeah, more I thing about how... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just... Uh, go, go for it, Dota. Finish. I was up. just going to say, okay, so, so progressing this idea further, which is like, okay, we have 10,000 images, but in fact, the wizards are made up of... Um, 350 parts approximately. And so we actually don't have to store all 10,000 wizards. Instead, we can upload uh, an image of all of the parts. And then in, and we can upload each wizard kind of encoded of like what parts they are. So we might say, oh, this wizard is made up of, you know, head seven, familiar 43, body 26 or whatever, and so on. And you record that. And that is much smaller than recording the uh, individual pixels. And so um, there's basically a set of um, uh, data that is required to recreate it. Um, and what we also did is we created an NFT uh, called the decoder crystal. And in the decoder crystal, um, I have a gist. Uh, but just, it's like a, like a code snippet, a one-liner code command that you can run that will generate, the that will download the code from Ethereum, and it will save that code on your computer and then that code knows how to go and recreate all the wizards from scratch. So what I'm saying is like not only the data, but also the code to recreate all wizards is encoded on the blockchain. And you can find all of that within the decoder crystal NFT, which you can find like on our profile in OpenSea, for example. That's why I call him a wizard. <laughs> to me, what's really cool is um, the... Uh, like we chose pixel art for an aesthetic reason, um, a conceptual reason, and also the technical reason. And Dota just outlined the whole technical reason. Um, the, the pixel art is actually small enough to store on chain in an efficient way. Beyond that, um, my the Discord community has heard me say this several times, but uh, for any new listeners, we uh, we chose pixel art because it. Uh, it's an art form that is very limited in information. It's very minimal. There's not a lot of details. And so when you look at a piece of pixel art, you, uh, your imagination is allowed to fill in all the, all the gaps of information. And that's, that's been sort of a guiding ethos with this whole project is uh, not to just spell everything out clearly. We want, we want there to be depth and, and magic and mystery in, in this whole project from, from top to bottom, from the contract to the website to the characters themselves. Every aspect of this project has a little bit of mystery in it. And that was all very intentional. Um, e even as Dota was talking in the very beginning about how our, uh, our, the traits uh, in our collection are not easily plotted by a tool like, like rarity tools. It's, you can't really put all of it on a spreadsheet. 
Um, because I don't think that's what an NFT is. That's what a, uh, a crypto token is. A crypto token is based on math and numbers and easily charted. Uh, but an NFT is more than that, I think. An NFT has an emotional component, a story component, um, an aesthetic component. These are things that you, you can't chart with just things like rarity tools. And while rarity, rarity tools is, is a spectacular tool, we've also got uh, a tool called Wizard's Guide that a, a, um, a friend named Gentau created for us. Those are great. You can use those with our wizards all you want. But... We, we, we are trying to take it beyond just, just that because, uh, because it's an NFT collection. And um, I, th I think the, uh, the NFT scene, I think the greatest things have not even be, been explored yet. And so we're, we're trying to like push it to the next level. So what you're saying is I shouldn't be yeah, taking I... these numbers into its <laughs> Rarity Tools uh, website. <laughs> I'm saying I'm feeling... you can you can. definitely use rarity yeah. tools but <laughs> okay. as this project matures and, and grows there's going to be so many other factors to consider i think one of the important factors is just around this idea of the the characters stories i think um we we design the characters so that their stories could be told and i think you know i, I think i speak for both of us we've been even a little bit surprised ourselves at how how eager folks have been to tell their wizard stories and how folks are just dying to learn and tell their backstories. So for example, Matatsuki, who's here as a speaker, has done a lot of work in terms of uh, telling backstories. Margaret is here and she's told uh, poems and stories that she was telling me this week. Uh, I think this is public, that she did poems for some wizards uh, who are married to one another. Um, and there's uh, been derivative art been created, animated gifts. Uh, like paintings, uh, and I think it feels um, like there's so much of this world that's ready to be explored, right? We want to hear about what's happening in the Furnome Wood. We want to hear about what's happening in Frogmaster March. We want to understand like these characters and uh, how how they interact with this world and who they meet and uh, like how they live. Uh, so one of the maybe technical efforts we're making to that end is uh, building a book of lore. There's a lot to go in there, uh, there technically, but the idea is it's an on-chain way that um, each wizard has a story, and it's a way that we can collaborate as a community to tell that collective story. Um, you know, we're inspired a bit by, let's say, Game of Thrones, where every knight has a page in the book, and in the same way, every wizard has a page in the book um, where it's uh, their story can be told. Um, and those stories don't necessarily have to be uh, logically consistent, right? We'll use the illustration of maybe Spider-Man, where there's a lot of different universes in which uh, Spider-Man does one thing or another. And when you come along as a writer to write a new Spider-Man story, you might write something that is logically inconsistent with some of the previous stories. That's okay. That can still become part of the canon Multiverse. and part of the, the creation. Yeah, exactly. But I think a key difference from us versus Spider-Man um, or versus Disney is this idea of like um, turning the idea of IP on its head is something that we think quite a lot about. Um, yep. And yep. it's this idea that, um, well, I'll let Elf speak to this, but it's this idea that sort of like the individuals become the owners of these characters. Not It's not necessarily centralized with us 
And so in that sense, we think of ourselves as, as like an anti-Disney, though I think, you know, Elf maybe should speak to this a little bit. Yeah, I, 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 let me put it this, the, the more I think about it, the more I think Hollywood is about to be absolutely disrupted and turned upside down. This, this whole concept of decentralized intellectual property is uh, something that could lead to extraordinary things. So if you take on the one extreme, Disney, what are they doing right now? They're, they're buying up every property available. They own yeah. Marvel, they yeah. own puppets, they own ESPN, they own Pixar, they own all the Disney characters. They're in the process of buying so much more. Star Wars, right. exactly. And like, what happens every time they buy one of those? They kind of ruin it. You know, some of it's good, some of it's not. The, the thing that they're doing is they're pumping it through this corporate machine to where it's taking all the magic out of it. They, they've, right. they've got like, like each of these properties just, just goes through this like formula where you spit out the lunchbox and the plushie and the movie and the TV show and the cartoon and the trading cards and whatever. And it's like, it's all, yeah, and they go through like, committees. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's all done by non-creative people without thought with the whole purpose of just driving profit. And like, it's so, so, so that's one extreme. That's, that's the centralized intellectual property side of Hollywood. And, and that, that side is just like, I think ready to implode. And so what, what is the antidote to that? What if, what if we could build like an entire studio that was built totally on decentralized IP. I think Wizards is like trying to trailblaze that idea. So we've got like a cast of 10,000 characters. What have we done? We have empowered like, I don't know, like 2,000 creators, 2,000 wizard holders we have right now. We've empowered 2,000 people to like suddenly take their character and do amazing things with it. And we've already seen amazing things. Uh, uh, Matatsuki and his wife, they're, they're making amazing fan art. Margaret is star is, has made beautiful poems. We had a guy in our Discord the other day named Shark, Shark Child who is putting his eyeball wizard mm. into the, this, this Lovecraftian mm, horror horrible. story. That and I'm seeing more and more of this amazing stuff every day. And here's the beauty of it. Like, the more everybody takes their wizard and makes beautiful stuff with it, the more it, it, it boosts the whole community, the more it boosts the whole property. Yes, ev everybody benefits when, when, when one wizard starts making beautiful things. And so that's the sort of thing that we want to just really encourage and really um, help guide that along. And the Book of Lore is just like one of many ways we want to do this. But to me, that's the most exciting thing is this, this idea of in a decentralized IP. Yeah, I, I think you guys have also done a great job of um, introducing this idea of like guilds and stuff and I think that that could be a really cool direction to go with it too where you kind of create these derivative art guilds kind of focused on you know animation or focused on purely you know static visual art or focused on music or all those kind of things or poems and lore um, and I think that could be a really yep. cool thing to kind of implement into the mm -hmm. Discord especially yep very cool yeah our, our I, Discord community inspires me every day such cool stuff. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think the guild system is something that we're experimenting with. It's I feel that it's worked out fairly well. Um, you know, I think in the beginning there was a bit of like rumbling. There were some folks who didn't want to participate, but I think overall the folks who have participated hopefully are like finding it interesting and fun and valuable. I think fun like funding models are interesting and like. Uh, <sighs> 
worth thinking about. I think those are some areas that we've tried to talk through that we don't necessarily have a clear answer on, but like we would love to spend, uh, like to be able to like fund and support creators who want to create this kind of lore in like a fair and interesting way. But right now it's been mostly a labor of love of just like people participating in the community who love to tell these stories. And I think in terms of t storytelling too, like we're also working to be able to tell those stories in a bigger way. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit in our discord, which is um, we are talking to um, a couple of parties about potentially doing a game. Those conversations are relatively early and specula speculative. Um, but, um, and then there are like other media expressions that are maybe more significant that we even have conversations with people about tonight that, you know, they're with external partners who have certain wishes around privacy that, that we certainly can't like disclose yet. But we're like very excited about like participating in kind of telling much bigger stories and from, uh, you know, from our, I don't know, position. I don't know how you want to phrase that, Elf, but like we're participating in the storytelling as well, right? It's not purely making other people tell all the stories, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of my efforts right now is just sort of constructing the meta narrative that, that sort of guides this world. So the map, the map that I released a few like weeks ago, um, that's that's sort of like part of the efforts that I'm trying to to work on right now. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, I think it's just a huge, interesting experiment. You know, how much, how much of a world can you build tweet by tweet, taking cues from a discord community, taking cues from wizard owners, uh, putting, doing it all in a decentralized way, um, guiding it as, as much as I can, as much as we can, um, you know, and, and, and putting it all together into something like the book of lore. I, I'm just, I would love to see like what this turns into in, in like two to three years. I've, I've got an idea of what I think it will be, but um, it's certainly going to take a life of its own. Yeah. If you're a Tolkien, right. You spend years by yourself read like writing um, a masterpiece. And of course it's, it's, it's great, but it's this like large work and no one can really necessarily sit through the Silmarillion. And I think what we're doing, uh, not to compare to his greatness, but I think just an approach this idea of world building in an age of social media and the idea is that it's instead of sitting in our office creating a world for years and then releasing it as a master work we're we're, we're world building tweet by tweet right we're by instagram by instagram by like frame by frame we're releasing the work and the progression and the unveiling of this world um, as we go along this is world building in the age of social media community world building yep yep Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Like the way that we think about our characters is exactly the opposite of Disney, right? That like, ima like imagine that you could own like Hello Kitty or you could own, uh, you know, Princess Peach or uh, um, like Disney, for example, would never give you the rights to Jack Skellington or something um, to, to tell your own story and create your own artwork. I mean, yeah, there's fan art, but it's, it exists in a legal gray zone. Whereas like we and I'm sure other NFT builders as well, but we expressly are wanting to build these characters in such a way that it's like you're encouraged to uh, to even make commercial rights on top of your uh, on top of your wizard. 
Yeah, I absolutely love the way that you guys are thinking about this. And I love the fact, too, that you admit that you don't even necessarily know where it's going, right? Like, you definitely have a, a plan and a map, but I think it's the the unknown and the openness to that unknown that's super exciting about this project. And that's what excites me about projects in general, too, is like, when it's that when there's that much possibility and your gut is pointing you in a certain direction and you don't know exactly where that is, but you just trust it and trust the people around you. Like those, those are the most thrilling projects to be part of. And you guys are definitely headed that direction with us. I think it's also impossible Thanks. to know where it's going to go. If it truly is a world that's built by the community, because More. other people are going to take it into some direction that you would have never thought of. Yep. Yeah. I, I guess on that, on that kind of, you know, community building note, going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, I guess, do you guys have sort of um, ideas for like creative stimulus? Because I mean, the map was obviously like a fantastic thing to kind of like get people talking and get people inspired to create new stuff. Um, but do you have more of those like, you know, creative stimulus ideas that are kind of like, you know, in the back of your minds that you're like, you know, willing to put out at some point or, you know, you, you, next month you want to do this or the few weeks you want to do this, that kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we for sure do. Yeah. It's so like the, just on the map, that's only a partial view of the entire world. I'm, I'll probably expand the map a little more eventually. Um, I will, um, I'm, I'm writing some lore about just like the, the, the overall meta narrative, like, like, okay, here's, here's an example that I haven't really released yet. So, if you notice, um, a lot of the wizards, uh, they have, there's no difference among them except for the color of their hat. Okay. So, and then you'll notice on the map that I've, I've put a, a like a red wizard um, fort, and I believe there is a blue one and um, a yellow one. Well, that's only like half the colors in the collection. Where's the others? So basically what I'm trying to um, build is uh, perhaps there's some sort of like overall political type of faction that is sort of, or factions that are sort of governing this world in a very loose uh, sort of chaotic way. Um, these, th- this, this is just sort of some of the meta narrative that I'm, that I'm developing um, that, I, that I hope to release sooner than later. Um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, also, like, just sort of filling out, like, exactly, like, what every, um, I guess you would call it head type is. Uh, so, like, you know, compared to other NFT projects where it's, it's, it's more or less just one character that has a bunch of different costume swaps. Like, like not to disparage board apes at all, but, um, you know, you could conceive that that ape is really just one character with a bunch of different costumes. Uh, but we have at least 150 different characters, 150 different heads, you know, and, and even beyond that, I, th- I think we truly have 10,000 unique wizard characters, but like you can at the very least say we have 150 different characters, character races, you might call them. Uh, so I want to like sort of write and fill out exactly what all of those mean. Who are they? What's, what's the culture that defines them? Um, you know, and, and what, what's great, though, is like if you're busy writing a story or lore about your individual character and it, and it clashes with what I write about that particular race of a character, that's totally fine. Um, that, that's the sort of like broad sort of nuanced and detailed lore that I, I think this, 
this whole project is eventually going to turn into. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think yeah, that there we is also like, have... uh, an importance to like recognizability of a project. So like, I, and that's kind of why I think that that the way that the apes went is also very successful, um, especially like the way that people are using it as like a flex piece on social media. But I see, I definitely yep. see your point. Like if you're, if you're going to build like a legitimate world around this project, like it definitely makes more sense to have more like originality and uniqueness throughout all the characters. Right. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. That's, 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 that's also sort of why we, we chose to display a full body character rather than a portrait. So like maybe that kind of hurt us in the short term. Cause it's, it's not as like, I don't know, it's aesthetic to use a full body as your Twitter or your avatar because it's it's not as clear as like a really nice cool cat or a, a bored ape. But the trade-off was I wanted these to feel like full body characters that are ready to like go on an adventure. And there's there's much more to them than just their, their face. You could also they're, just they're, zoom in got more... face too. I mean, like you still have that option, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if any yeah. user wants to crop, crop their wizard close enough, go for it. I mean, I've even, I even changed the background of my wizard. Like, you know, everybody is totally free to like customize their wizard in any way they want. And we, we've even re released uh, tools to do that, to like separate your wizard into layers and like change things up. So yeah, anything you want to do to build out and customize your wizard, we totally encourage. Yeah, and on that aspect of the wizards, like living on a world and going in an adventure, you know, we haven't talked about this so publicly yet, but I think we basically want to provide assets to the wizards that make that like more feasible. Um, the timeline is a bit loose at the moment, but like everyone wants to walk around with their wizard and be able to like use them functionally in a world. And so uh, we have plans that are, you know, indefinite in, in deadline, uh, you know, but we for sure want to enable that. Yeah, imagine a uh, a 2D metaverse that you can use your wizards to walk around in. And I, and I know a lot of other people are working on a similar project. I think Loopify has got something really super cool going on in that regard. Um, maybe we can convince Loopify to let you use your wizard to walk around in his world. Maybe we'll build our own. Maybe we'll build a portal between the two. I don't know. But it's. It, I think it's really interesting when you start thinking about all the possibilities of, of decentralized content and all the possibilities for crossovers and um yeah i get really excited thinking about it all another question on like the kind of game front um i guess do you guys see um you know in a world where there is a game created i know it's kind of more up in the air right now but do you kind of see the rarer traits or i guess the the less probable traits translating to like a higher power or a higher like level or do you kind of see it as they're more the, the wizards are more aesthetic and it's it's a lot more balanced that's a really good good question about game design itself um yeah i mean i i think we would sort of like to maintain a sort of um the, the rarity scale that's in the collection carry that through to the game like rarer items are more powerful or whatever that would certainly be cool um but yeah, as you said, it, it's it's something like a detail like that is probably far further down the road till we figure exactly what it is. 
Yeah, because you want the game to still be fun for someone who owns like a three-trait wizard, for example. Um, so I think balancing that trade-off is really going to depend on kind of the game. And, um, you know, I think most games we're talking about involve um, NFTs as items. And so I think there's another kind of dimension there, which is like, well, maybe your wizard didn't get a unicorn horn as kind of like part of his original drop, but maybe there are opportunities for uh, similar items uh, within the game. They're probably not the exact same item. Yeah, I mean, just off the top of my head, like I think it'd be cool if you But could yeah, balancing the... that sort of thing in a game that's really fun is, yeah. Yeah, it, it, off the top of my head, it'd be cool if you could enter the game with like the, the, the item that your wizard already has in the original mint, and then maybe after that you have the ability to gain other items and other familiars and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. But, I mean, I wouldn't write off 3T Wizards as being sort of less valuable. They have, like, uh, a rarity of their own just in the fact that they, like, you know, they don't have a rune, or some don't even have a rune or a familiar as well. So, you know, we're going to basically work to make that balanced, balanced in a way that seems, like, fair and fun. Some of the most powerful wizards in history are the ones who don't use wands or staffs or... or Exactly, exactly. And also don't speak. Yeah. Yeah, there right. you go. Yeah, wizards that have no names, wizards that are shapeshifters, all of these things play into particular powers. Yeah. Um, an event we have coming up, uh, which uh, is very somber, is the Sacrifice. So the Sacrifice is uh, the entry point into Forgotten Souls. Um, on a technical level, what that means is there's some number of wizards yet to be determined, um, pr- probably on order of maybe 888, maybe 1,000. Um, wizards, there will be an opportunity for wizard holders to sacrifice their wizard if they so choose. And there'll be um, a variety of outcomes there. Um, some may get a powerful ghost. Some... Uh, may not. And so I think that wow. taking a life is not something to be done lightly. Um, but there's, uh, yeah, that's on the horizon. I'm offering mine for sacrifice. If, and when that becomes an opportunity, I would love to go. Yeah. I, uh, I'm thinking about calling it the great burning, um, mm. because we're burning tokens and then there's a history of burning wizards at the stake. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to certainly carry an element of risk. You may not want to uh, just so callously no, I'm in. throw your wizard I'm in. onto the pile. It's okay. I've already captured a couple of low-tier wizards to lock into my dungeon that I'm using for, for burning later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think our ideal is like all the uh, ugly wizards get burned. Not that there are any ugly wizards in the collection at all, but um, but yeah, you could transfer a, lo- uh, a low tier wizard for maybe, and I do mean maybe, a uh, high powered ghost like wizard. Wow. I love it. Are we getting um? Are we getting entirely new um um new traits for that like new art or is it going to be some reuse and a combination of new or how is that going to work out or you able to release that detail yet it i think it's some... entirely new i think 
Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, the art will be new. I think in some cases um, there will be overlap in terms of sort of like, in some cases it could be fun that if you had a fox familiar, now maybe you have a fox skeleton or a fox ghost. I think there will be cases where there's a mapping, let's say, but the art will be new. Yep. Also, a uh, quick, uh, quick community thing. Might as well take the time to do it. But I have a little, uh, like, competition giveaway type thing for like a a wizard song. If anyone's interested, you just comment, comment your picture below the tweet, and then once I get fifty, I'm gonna choose a random one. And you're gonna write a song? Yeah. Well, I made I made a I made a song for uh, Seth the Necromancer, which was the guy that just got swiped away from me. Um, oh, is, but it, is it like actually recorded? And I, I haven't, I oh, haven't dude, seen yeah, it. Yeah, let me. Um, yeah, I haven't here, heard I'll, it. I'll, I'll I'll send it in the Discord again. Um, here, wait. Actually, can I pin oh. the tweet right now? How does that work? I'm thrilled that yeah. we have a wizard. So musician. anyone can pin. Um, if you just go to the tweet and click the share button uh, at the top of it, there should be a share it to space button. Okay, here. Wait, let me find this real quick. Oh, thanks, Mystic Bard, That's... for just responding. Yeah, so I, I love it. We have we have animators, we have artists, we have poets, we have writers, and now I think we have our first musician. <laughs> Wait, so is it pinned? It's not pinned to your profile. Where? Hmm. Sorry, spaces are uh, spaces are new for me. Well, if no, if someone knows how to pin it, it's just like one of the first things on my feed. Great. Cool. Folks, I need to head, but just want to say this community is one of the most wholesome wholesome communities you can find in the whole Web3. It's such a delight to be hanging with the fellow wizards. Um, thanks for hosting the space. I've got to go. Thanks, Dr. All right, thanks, Dr. Thanks, Dr. Have Fox. a good night, man. See ya. Cheers, all. Yeah, I think I'm happy to take any questions if folks want to ask some questions. I got it. There yeah. we go. I guess we uh, did a good job of explaining everything. There's no, there's no more, no more mystery left. I think you got one. Thank you. Uh, is that Laborde Ape? Is is is? Did he raise his hand or did he just flash a peace sign? It could have been a peace sign. No, there's no one with their hand yeah. raised right now. Uh, but if any <laughs> wizards have their. Hey, sorry. I know I've been asking a ton of questions but thank you guys again for like putting this on it's been super cool um yeah but i guess of course yeah thanks Deez. i noticed um i noticed you guys did a few um i guess more personalized ones for like i guess other artists or influencers um and i guess i just wanted to know what kind of um i guess what kind of feedback you got from that like were they did they really like them? Were there some who are like, I'm going to keep this forever? Or were there some who kind of like instantly oh, yeah. sold because they saw that they were rare? Or like, how did that go? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I love to talk about All this. All of the above. Yeah. So the, okay, so, you know, Elf and I have been around for a while. Like I made NFTs in 2018. Um, like just after the ERC 721 standard came out, like Elf has been doing his tweet, his like, nfts on rarible for a long time and they're i love them um but on the other hand i'm more of like a bot builder trader 
that's more where I like reputation was. I didn't really have much reputation in the portfolio picture like space. Um, and so one of the ways that we kind of like got advice early on is they said like, Oh, are you guys building customs? Like if you guys built customs, I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And they were like, Oh, you, you know, one of the best sort of, let's call it growth hacks for these portfolio picture projects are that you should build, you should reach out to the punks and you should be like, Hey, you know, can we build a custom for you? Um, and so there were people that I, whose tweets I'd read, like, you know, DZ had a thread on like how I value NFT projects. I found it super helpful. I've been following his tweets. Um, and there was like a handful of other people that like, I just liked their tweets. I knew them. Um, and so I reach, I'd reach out and I'm like, Hey, we're doing this new project. Here's a screenshot of our wizards. There's no obligation. Like, uh, like, can we build a custom for you? There's no obligation to shill. You don't have to use it in your profile picture. I just like am a fan and we'll make you a custom, you know? And I would say that we probably reached out to 50 people same with that kind of pitch and we got a like green light from like 30 um and we made probably about that many somewhere between 20 and 30 i don't know the precise number um and i would say out of that group there were like you know folks like dz who sent his profile picture right away was a huge supporter and that like really helped us put us on the map and then there were other folks where we built a custom they didn't like it. We built another custom. They didn't like that either. Or like we eventually found something they were fine with, but they like never tweeted about it or we'd make something for someone and they seemed to like it. They never, they never, you know, they didn't say anything and that's fine. It's their choice. Um, and then, yeah. And then when we came time, we minted it as part of the, the overall wizards collection. We've received some feedback from that. People were kind of like, some people said, Oh, I wish they weren't part of the main wizards collection. I wish they were their own NFTs. I don't know how to think about that. I like that the customs are part of our collection, but I can also recognize that you're like, well, I minted, but like rarity tools says DZ is like the number one most rare wizard. And there's no chance I ever could have got that. So it feels maybe unfair. I'm not yeah. sure. I feel like, I, yeah. I, okay. So yeah, he, here's the way I think about it. Like, like, so number one, we did a lot of customs, but I would say half of them were not even for like quote influencers. We did a lot of customs just for That's anyone in our discord who showed passion. I don't, yep. I didn't care if they had literally five followers on Twitter. We made them a custom because that's true. That, the first that, five people on our discord. Yeah. Yeah. That, that passion is almost more valuable. And, and some of those people are still with us today and they only have like 30 followers on flip Twitter and, and they're all fellow wizards, which is great. So, so, so that's, that's, that's the one thing customs it, it was not just for influencers um true, the other yeah. thing though is like we uh it, it was it was really just an aesthetic choice whether we chose to like fold the custom parts into the rest of the collection or not um you know i that's really i think the the only criteria to use when making a decision like that does does it work or doesn't it um so like yeah so like yeah, some people like marlo have like a super super unique wizard it's an alien wizard it is the only one of its kind in the whole collection but there are others where it just made a lot of sense to like fold that head into the rest like like uh grimplin like he he created the the fur gnome and the fur gnome yeah and or I, I just chick said yeah yeah yes and i just love those two and so now they're like a really vital part of the whole collection so and we was, debated was, like we debated yeah, it was, it was pretty much every case. custom wizard, pretty much every custom wizard where we're like, oh, Marlo, it's an alien. Is there an alien in this world? And we were like, yeah, there are aliens in this world. Like there are aliens in our real world. 
So like, there's going to be aliens in the wizard world. That, that's we're fine with that. Yeah. Uh, and then with like, uh, I think there's one like Joey where he's like based on like Joey Ramone or whatever. He does like punk top 10. We were like, wait, do, do we have jeans in this world? Does someone have like jeans and a gold chain? And we we're just like, yes, it's fine. Like we're okay. <laughs> like wizards sort of transcribe, trans transcend generations. We're not going to use it on like every single like wizard, but that is, we're okay with that. And yeah, so we never like let in a wizard that we didn't feel was sort of like part of the universe. Yeah, yeah. Wizards transcend transcend space and time. I guess to yeah. give you guys the ultimatum, then if you could do it again, would you make it a separate collection, or would you still keep it in the original ten thousand? I think that's a good question. I, there's there's definitely a few things I would have done differently for sure. Um, whether it's like like naming certain parts, maybe I would have chosen different names. And, and in fact, I mean, now that we're on it, uh, we mentioned to this to mention this to the Discord last time. We are going to do a small, uh, very small retcon. If you don't know what a retcon is, it stands for um, retroactive continuity. Uh, everybody does this from Star Wars to Lord of the Rings to Harry Potter. It basically just means you. Um, like once you put the story out there, then a few years later you have to like change certain bits of information. Um, we have to do that. Uh, there's just straight up some mistakes in the in the collection. There's some names that may be copywritten. There, there's just some things that we need to change. Just but a couple tiny things. It's not very so tiny. Many. You probably won't even notice yeah. it. Um, yeah. So so yeah. If you if you ask if I would change anything, like yeah, there, there's certain things that I would have and that we probably will. Um, but as far as the customs themselves and reaching out to the influencers, I, I think overall it worked out really well. And it, it gave us some really great results like the fur gnome. And I think our chick's head is super cool too. So Yeah, they gave us good ideas that we liked, including in the collection. And also it put us on the map. Like I think, you know, maybe if we had never sort of reached out to influencers or something, then uh, maybe we still would have had the same level of success. But I think at the time we sort of felt like there's a lot of these projects. Nobody really knows us. Only a few people like we need to do what we can. So I think if I did it again, like if I was starting over, if I was like a person who didn't really have an audience, I would, I would just be like, yeah, do it. Like it's, it's a really good strategy well, because. And it, and it also speaks to the whole decentralized nature of the, of the creation of this thing. I mean, you know, it wasn't just 100% us, even from the very, very beginning, we had some, some other people like make suggestions and, and we acted on those. Yeah, I, I would probably do it again. Like, I think I'm okay with it. But, you know, if folks are like, no, it's unfair. And you're just favoring influencers. Like, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. I'm really biased. I would share my opinion, but it would be hard to be unbiased. Um, I'm fine. I'd love to hear this. I, from what you're doing with the lore perspective and the world building, I kind of like that you included it into the overall set because it, kind of adds to the story i think in a way where you can look at the time and place and kind of reference maybe these specific people who have them um i, I was kind yep. of saddened to see some people just kind of dump theirs like uh i think lego my grego sold his for six and there's a couple other people who did but um i, I listed <laughs> mine for 420 note 69 just basically saying like i don't really intend to sell it <laughs> If you ever do D's, we will not hold it against you. It's, uh, <laughs> I would have to be I, I don't under some something. really hard times to be like, all right, we're cutting the forgotten. All right, I'll cut the point six nine off of this. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. The one thing I want to add to that around the, um, can y'all hear me okay? Yep. About the uh, adding the, the pre-maids into the collection. Like they're dope, right? They're super dope. They've got like, you know, really unique heads and bodies and, and traits. Um, but the one thing I've noticed is, and this is speaking to, um, you know, Dota and Elf, how they mentioned before that the, the way that you uh, evaluate or look at the wizards is, is different than traditional profile picture NFTs, right? So like there are a bunch of different dimensions, right? So you've got the names, you've got the, you've got the traits, like the rarity traits. You also have affinities. Um, so like what one thing that you'll notice with all of the pre-maids is that none of them have max affinity, right? So none of the pre-maids, for, and I could be wrong, maybe correct me if, if, if I'm mistaken, but none of the pre-maids have max affinity, right? So in the custom ranking, in uh that's a part of the wizard guide it's not on rarity tools that's why you know if you're if you're trying to do the whole evaluation thing you can look at rarity tools but it's only going to look at one dimension right when you're when when you're when you're evaluating these things if you're trying to do it from like a you know i'm i'm trying to get something that's rare or whatever you got to keep in mind that with wizards they're a lot different than other than other projects right so you've got the again i don't want to be circular but you've got the traits you've got the names and you've got the max affinity and rarity tools only looks at the traits. Um, so all that, all that yep. said, right. The pre-maids don't have max affinity. None of them have max affinity from what I've seen. And max affinity is something that's built in on chain. So, and, and again, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know yet because it's, you know, wiz- wizards are mysterious, but like it was very, it was done in a very intentional way. And there's only like 300 and some wizards with max affinity. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I think, I think the pre-maids are dope. Um, but you know, yeah, so I, yeah, that, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, quick question on the pre-maids too. How did that work, um, with pretty much reserving a specific wizard, someone who would mint, were they minting at the same time as everyone else or did they get it? Did they receive it before mint? Uh, no. Well, Dota, you actually built that whole system. Do you want to describe it? Yeah. Could you clarify like the Dota. question? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I guess, you know, if you were giving for, for Deez's, for example, um, was, was that the kind of thing where someone goes into the minting platform as everyone else did, and then their wallet was basically flagged as having reserved one of these um, custom wizards or were, was ownership like transferred over to them even before mint happened? Oh, I see. We minted the first 80, um, just like the day before the sale. So the, so out of those 80, it was like 30 ish went to influencers and community members. 50 ish was divided between elf and myself um, so like we took like 25 each, but I think actually we still probably have like 30 or something in the deployer wallet. Um, so we didn't do anything like fancy in terms of, um, in terms of like having them have to do like mint it themselves. I do think that might've been something that I changed because then people were like, well, look, all the customs got like really low serial numbers. And I, I can understand that, which is like, 
they some people wanted to mint early and get a serial number before 80 but no one could could because i minted like you know whatever zero through 79 does that make sense yeah, but yeah, it just to simplify it, we, we pre-minted the first 80 because we had to, because we had to make good on our word to give those to the people we made them for. Um, after that, yeah, it was it was through the, the secret tower that you would summon them. But but I would also like to say, like, we, we the reason we kept... Yeah, and we hand-transferred. Yeah, and the reason we kept so many is because to this day, we are still giving out wizards, either through contests or through... Uh, professional contacts that we need to work with um and uh yeah i want yeah, more I mean, wizards I, we, I bought some this morning actually yeah we actually need a lot more because we have more people that we're giving out them out to for various reasons that ultimately help the project um so that yeah that's that's the biggest reason and then you know and then of course i kept one for myself that the goat that you see right now um but that's that's pr I, I own the goat and then two others and that's pretty much the only ones in my own personal collection. That's not even that many too, if you think about it. Like you guys were open about it when it launched, and it's a pretty reasonable amount to me. Uh, yeah, it was it was less than one percent, or I, I'm terrible at math. Point one percent, I believe. Yeah, point one, or is it point zero one? Dota, you're way better at math than I am. It was a very small amount. 0 0.05. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Satoshi still has a million bitcoins, so I think we did better than Satoshi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the royalty on the secondary market? I forget. It's not high. 2.5. Uh, yeah. Yeah, two point five. Yeah, that's low. Uh, Open OpenSea takes two point five, and then the the founders get two point five. Yeah, that's that's low yeah. for for these projects at least. I mean, I see like two point five. It's pretty much the lowest you see. Yep. 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 Hey guys, I have a um, quick question. Yeah. Sure. Um. So. So throughout the uh, the process from like discovery all the way through to delivery, uh, I think you're cutting out, Taylor. Your microphone's muted. Yeah, can you hear me now? You're cutting out for me too, Taylor. Come on, Taylor. <laughs> Can you repeat, Taylor? My interpretation of the question was something oh, about like how long did it take us to do it? I, I, that's what I'm going to guess the question was. And I think that the real answer is something like 10 years. Like we've been working together. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Hey, hello. Yeah. Are, are you asking how long this project took? Uh, no, no, no. I, I was uh, asking what were some of the some of the biggest challenges? So close. Yeah, I'll give a quick answer, and then Dota can can speak to it. Um, 
this uh, like two days before launch, we were sweating bullets. The website was not working. Um, the the like just so many things were going wrong. And I remember going to bed like the day before launch, like just th- wondering, uh, is the website even going to work? Because like like I would I would test it on Brave on the Mac and it would work, and then I would test it on Brave on the PC and it wouldn't work. And then I would test it on Chrome on the PC and it wouldn't work, but on Chrome on Mac, it would work. And it was just like, it was just, just insane. And, and like, I think Dota was about to have a nervous breakdown. But then I remember waking up the morning on, on, on the morning of July 1st and the sun rose and I looked to the east and a cavalry of bug testers were basically like the riders of Rohan and they charged in and they crushed every bug that Dota found. And we launched. Beautiful. It was the most, um, I'd say, like, fun minting experience just from watching the animations and how you guys set up the site. Like, a lot of these, you connect, it's a really shitty interface, um, and yours was just incredibly smooth and incredibly, like, thoughtful, in my opinion. It, it encouraged me to mint a few more. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that we we put a lot of love into this the summoning process it it wasn't minting it, it was summoning um yes sorry sorry we, <laughs> the summoning process oh no no it's totally fine <laughs> yeah no it's totally fine um but yeah we uh we, we were really excited about how how we built the website and we when we finally got it to work it's by far guys... by far the best landing page for an nft mint i have ever seen and i don't expect to see one that's better than that this cycle Oh, wow. Thank you. Bars. Did you guys run into any issues with... Because I, I know that there was... I mean, obviously, if you were in the Discord, you knew that you had to click the crow and then the door or however however it went. But did you guys run into any issues with people just being like, oh, I don't know how to mint these? Yeah, uh, so, so I was paying... I, I, I had a close eye on the Discord during the launch to see if, if any of those problems were, were popping up. And, you know, I, I, I definitely saw a, like a, a very small minority of people like being confused. And, and I was actually worried about that um, before we launched. I was like, is this, is this too cryptic? Is this too esoteric? Are people going to hate this? Do people, maybe people just want like a very straightforward UI because they're actually like paying to like buy these NFTs or to summon them. And, so I, it was it was a big uh, mystery to me, but um, miraculously, uh, I would say ninety five percent of the comments I saw on that morning were overwhelmingly positive, and um, yeah, I, I think everybody pretty much understood exactly how to do it. It, it probably didn't help that most of us were just like being trolls about it for the laughs, but <laughs> yeah, it was certainly it a lot. And yeah, and like that was yeah. the cool thing about it too. It was like. You need you needed to go into the experience with some sort of preparation or some sort of prior knowledge, and then like, or not necessarily prior knowledge, but you you kind of had to figure it out. And kind of the rewarding nature of it, I think, made the experience super unique. Yep, that's what we were going for. Yeah, and like, and like also like, you know, we also wanted to like prevent whales from just like buying out the entire collection all at once, and so. You know, the, the part of the the the, the mystery of the, of the UI sort of prevented that. Um, 
you, you no, couldn't just immediately. Somebody did accidentally mint. He fat fingered and sent us eighty nine ETH instead of twenty. Yeah, but he he didn't even use the website. He uh, he no, just he like the, deposited he straight to the contract. I made a document that was like, if you use EtherScan, don't come ask me for every time. Like, you know, whatever. Yep. I'm not going to take this 180k just because he fat fingered. Yeah. Yeah, Dota, you're kind of quiet, but basically, uh, if you didn't hear him, somebody accidentally, like, gave us, like, 80 Ethereum. Um, <laughs> For real? Yeah, yeah, and we had to, like, reimburse it, like, l literally within 10 minutes after launching. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Because he didn't use the website. He, like, deposited somehow directly to the contract. I, like, I, I, yeah, he I have no idea how he did Yeah, he 89 ETH in EtherScan. We have to add that yes. to the Lord. Was it in way, and he was trying to do like eight point nine or what? Exactly. Yeah, he had yeah. two extra decimals in the contract. Yeah. Yeah. Classic <laughs> fucking move. Yeah, I can see how that could happen. One hundred percent. I mean, that he was flipping out too. Like literally every avenue on my social media was blowing up from this guy like i have an emergency please contact me he might be in the audience I, yeah i don't know he <laughs> might be it was if, if you're here buddy sorry you funny, are a true degenerate we, yeah <laughs> yeah we're, we're not upset it was it, it may it was a funny little anecdote of the day i can see that, that where i uh fat finger something yeah, I've been in an immediate panic, but luckily I've never had that happen yet. <laughs> yep. Also, that document Dota made was super helpful for learning to mint through a contract. Cool. Yeah. I like using Etherscan and teaching people how to do it. I think one of my favorite pastimes, like, I don't know, this past, let's say, winter, is... um tracking down yield farm contracts where the interface hadn't hasn't been built yet um and so it's like my my pride and joy to be the very first person into a yield farm and just like get hours of 100 percent rewards by myself um, there haven't been as many yield farms these days that sort of like are that sloppy um but this past year there were so many and it was really lucrative and a lot of fun so i think if you can learn ether scan it's a really valuable skill Oh yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I had, to, um, I think the the best part of that is when they accidentally put in like the wrong ID value on the site, and they have like a farm that's not exactly. actually active on the site. So the UI has like exactly. it's not pointing to the direct one. <laughs> so you're just like, well, everyone's like screaming, "Oh, I can't deposit my tokens!" You're just soaking all of the all of the rewards. <laughs> exactly, I love that. Yeah. That's funny. <clears throat> any more questions are there yeah any more questions in the in the audience if you have a question wave or request the mic and i'll uh i'll make room for you here i think i think one other thing we've talked about as you'll see in our roadmap is this idea of uh the warriors guild um, I think, you know, talking about the launch and maybe things you would have changed or wouldn't have changed, 
you know, as I, I talked about before, like I'd done it, I'd done NFTs before, but not recently. And so this, in some sense, was pretty new to me. And one of the things that happened is people come in and say, like, what's your roadmap? And I'm like, what do you mean roadmap? Like, like well, you have to have a roadmap. And I was like, well, like, if, look at the wizards. Do you like the wizards? If you want the wizards, buy the wizards. But I'm not going to, like, commit to all these things that I'm going to have to do for you for the rest of the year just you know because you want a roadmap or whatever and people are like you don't have a roadmap i'm out of here like this is such a cash grab oh gosh i don't know how many times we heard that this was a cash grab or whatever it was really annoying but i eventually uh you know we had we did have a whole list of things that we wanted to do and so we were just like fine let's just write it down and we'll tell people this is the roadmap so we write this down and, and i think deliver yeah the, the, the roadmap definitely existed before we released sure. the roadmap. Sure. Like we, we did not just like make up all these things to like fulfill just a roadmap desire. We, uh, we, you know, like Dutter just said, we, we had all these plans anyway and we were like, okay, well let's just put this on the roadmap. And so one of the, um, Oh, go ahead. Well, and I was just going to say, but like, what's cool is like now that we're like, what, like almost a month into this project, I want to update the roadmap with like 50 other cool sure. things that we want to yeah. do. Um, that, that's so. true. And then one of the things that's on there is this idea of the warrior Guild, And it's been somewhat contentious in that, like, you know, ob for obvious reasons, nobody wants 10,000 warriors to drop in the exact same style because it just sort of feels like too soon and we'll dilute the collection. And, you know, uh, there's like all these reasons not to drop 10,000 warriors. Um, and I like agree with that, and I think we won't do that anytime soon, or if ever. Um, but I think on the other hand, when we look at the map, right, and we look at this world, I just I know that like not even to sell the NFTs, just to like see them come to life, I'm chomping at the bit to like do a set of like merfolk from the brine, to do a set of vampires from the mist, to like. I want to know more about the Furnomes and see what they look like. I want to like understand what's in, you know, cuckoo land and the psychic leap. So like, I'm so eager to like learn more about these characters and to like pull them out of this world. Um, so I know that those are like, it makes some sense for those characters to be NFTs, but it has to be done kind of, uh, in conjunction with like the right timing, whether that means there's a game that exists, whether that means sort of um, there are other things that kind of help support it. I think we want to be really careful to make sure that we're always prioritizing wizard holders and everything that we're doing from here on out. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I would just say that I think we are going to do the warriors. Obviously we have to figure out the details, but we're going to do it with purpose. It's going, there's going to be a reason. It's not just going to be like, Hey, we just want to do another character set. There's going to be a very good reason to do warriors or any other character in the future. And like Dota said, maybe it's a game that needs a new character class. Um, but you know, I, I, but I will say if we do do that, when and if, um, I, I think that, that the wizards will always be like the elite core. And again, there's like, multiple reasons to do that there's there's even like the archetypal reason to do it if you look at any sort of rpg um party the, the wizard is always like sort of the lone character there's, a, there's usually only one or two wizards there's always like a, a handful of warriors and a few other character classes but the, the wizard is always like the elite character and so we definitely want to maintain that 
that specialness of the wizards because they were the first and they were the ones who created this whole thing and we're always going to like respect the wizards and that's what I mean. and one of the things elf will always say is talk about that like they wizards need warriors right either you have sword and sorcery you have might and magic you have wizards and warriors you you know you need this brain paired to with this brawn and that's like John Snow. In, yeah exactly we need john snow um <laughs> hey what's up guys yep hey can you hear me all clear yeah okay, cool yep um so firstly really dope project big fan um aesthetics visually super super clean and yeah just want to start off with that and then um to kind of move on and if anyone mentioned this earlier or not but um have you thought about have you thought about possibly even even replicating the same thing on another blockchain because you know we see with OpenSea and a few other places that they're they're wanting to essentially expand to more blockchains and you know other currencies. Um, is that something that you could foresee with the wizards in terms of just uh, even expanding the accessibility to anyone who would want to join in or you know uh, engage with the community? Yeah, I think that I think that like the Okay, one, the world is moving so fast to, like, never say never, right? Like, there's, there's, everything is changing so quickly that for sure there will be technology a year from now that none of us have even heard of that's going to be, like, faster and cheaper and interesting. So I think, like, we're open to doing other chains. I think if we do, like, let's talk about it in the context of a game, for example. I think the most likely platforms for a game are either, like, um, L2's, like, Optimism and Arbitrum. Um, or maybe something like uh, ZK Sync. I know that like Oxmons has talked a bunch about how there's some interesting um, possibilities there that we still have to look at. There's also some trade-offs. So I do think that like a game um, that involves like more frequent blockchain interactions is going to use probably an L2 um, with some sort of like bridge operations. So the way that a lot of without getting too technical, there are ways to bridge kind of the core wizard ownership through these kind of bridge contracts, all right? Like when you send money over to Polygon or something and send money back. Um, so there are ways that you might be able to bridge your core wizard to a different chain. In my opinion, I don't see us launching the core ownership of the character NFTs on a blockchain other than Ethereum in the near term. Like, for example, I don't, I use, like, for example, Binance Smart Chain, but I don't necessarily see that we would, like, you know, launch Wizard, uh, like, launch Warriors on Binance Smart Chain, for example. Like, um, I I feel that there is a certain sort of, like, um, weight to Ethereum at the moment, and so that's most likely where we're going to launch new characters, but I do hear what you're saying, which is, like, yeah, but maybe if OpenSea's right. on these other platforms, maybe we could do something to be more accessible to people who are there. I think I'm like for sure open. But you can, you can recreate the image with just the token hash and and the contract on Ethereum. That's deployed on Ethereum. Correct. That's like what you kind of said before. 
Yes. Okay, so so well, you could some, bridge some yeah. blockchains have EVM. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. They you have could their deploy own, the same contract you know? to another EVM chain and recreate it somewhere else. But um, I feel like in the short term, you could just bridge the ERC seven twenty one to a different chain. But like right. you'll always have the original contract deployed on Ethereum. You know, is is the That's idea that saying. like if people could bridge? Are you suggesting that like? Saying like, oh, because I don't know what open season announcement was that there. I assume they're on like Polygon, for example. And so maybe the the motivation would be like, is there a, like a way to bridge your wizard to Polygon so then people could trade with the cheaper gas fees and then bridge it back? I think that yeah. for us, what I'm getting at is like from a collector's perspective, the provenance, let's call it, like the provenance of like the true original issuance of wizards will almost always be well from what we for for wizards it will always be on ethereum but probably for any other nft characters we launch they will also be on ethereum um i haven't thought too much about if there's a way that we should or could um bridge over to polygon OpenSea. i feel like there's maybe a bifurcation of the community that you kind of like the liquidity becomes yeah. kind of a problem to have these two right. markets but well, yeah. I, well the one the one thing i'm kind of thinking about is like you were talking about how there was like guilds before so there could be like a guild that would be like hey like let's build this thing on avalanche and then they would all like bridge their erc 721 tokens onto avalanche and there's like right. not really anything that you could do about that but in right. terms of what you're saying it's like the original contract still is immutably deployed to ethereum mainnet and it will remain that way Exactly. Like the, I foresee the provenance of like all Forgotten Runes characters to kind of keep on Ethereum until further notice. Um, but if people want to bridge their ERC 721s to sort of any <clears throat> other contract that people create, I mean, that's, yeah, they're their tokens. They can do yeah, what that's they that. want. Yeah. Yeah. What we probably will do is, is create a, um, a whole character class of Falcons that are released on Cardano. Right. That was a Charles Hoskins joke for anybody who <laughs> yeah. knows Charles. Man. I didn't know if you were joking at first. I was like, yeah, right. You no can't shot. tell in this space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I mean, just kind of in the game, uh, the vein of speaking about games too. Um, you know, I I was able to play Dark Forest this past cool. um, I guess season or yeah. whatever, which was my first kind of interaction with NFTs in games. Um. And you mentioned ZK Snarks. Like, is that is that one like I guess major possibility of of I guess a a gaming a gamified version of using the wizards, or is there is there something more specific you're looking at? Because even even I know Solana. I mean, just to kind of venture off, I know that they're wanting to partner with Unity or something like that. So you yeah, know, there's like this whole possibility for a big expansive games that also you you know they have nfts as well so exactly yeah there's so many good opportunities like so and then solana they just have uh, i forget the name of it. it's like neon or something they they just announced today that they yeah. have like solidity contracts on solana which seems like interesting um and dark forest is really cool they use like uh basically the like a circom language to write these sort of like zk snark circuits or whatever i'm getting like an off on off the deep end here but um, nerding out on the technology where they're actually using yeah. <laughs> um, ZK snarks to store like the location 
of your like rocket or whatever um, effectively on chain, which is incredibly interesting. Um, That said, I looked in, uh, okay, maybe I'm happy to talk about the technical details if anyone's interested, maybe in a separate space, but yeah, for sure. We we do, we know we do that in here in these spaces. Okay, good. Definitely, Definitely expand on it. Okay. Yeah. So I think that like the, um, one of the interesting things about the, uh, about the ZK snarks is what you basically are able to do, right. Is they're best fit for, um, private on chain data. So the, so for example, when you look at dark forest, what's the thing with dark forest is you have this idea of fog of war. Um, the best way to think of an analogy might be like, a ch- so, so you played like, let's say, I don't know, Warcraft or some other, not like World of Warcraft, but like the old school Warcraft where there's like a fog of war. You can't like see beyond where you, in parts of the map that you haven't been to, you know? Um, and imagine like a chess game with a fog of war. So like, I can't even see past halfway out of my board with ZK snarks. You could say, you could tell me like I moved my knight in a valid l position and you you can prove that you moved it in a valid position but i can't see where you actually moved it does that make sense and so with zk snarks is you're able to use this cryptography that's very interesting that lets you you can prove that no one cheated you could i can prove that like uh that, that my opponent did not cheat when he moved his knight in an l position that it was a valid move but i won't know where his knight is um, and so that's one of the things that they like really exploit with dark forest is this idea that like you can move around the universe and like, um, you know, without, uh, but without knowing where other people are that said, the ZK snarks, they're like incredibly expensive to generate in the first place. And they're like a bit complicated and they're like kind of limited. You can only do like, I don't know, something like addition and multiplication and subtraction, but like no division, no exponentiation. So there's like, you can only just change numbers or something in, in a pretty limited way. So, it might be like overkill for the level of centralization that might be acceptable for a forgotten runes game where you basically could say like, well, there are certain constraints that like, we don't mind if you centralize because we trust you basically. What um, about like so, Starkware and splitting it? Tell me more. You know, I haven't researched Starkware as deeply. I'd like to know more. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I'm the right person, but like I would go read about DYDX and like how they basically have like an off chain order book but then everything yeah. gets rolled up uh, using Starkware's tech. Cool. Yeah, exactly. I think that's probably what we'll do is some level of hybrid where we basically make like cryptographic guarantees. Like OpenSea kind of already does this, right? Like OpenSea's orders are already a bit centralized, but there's like cryptic, cryptographic signatures involved such that like everyone feels kind of a level of trust that they can't do something that you wouldn't want them to do. And we would probably do that. Interesting. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, that that's what I wanted to ask. I, I missed the last AMA and the Discord, so I wanted to just shoot those off. Hi, hey hello. guys. Can you hear me? Um, no, go ahead. I can. <laughs> yep, I can hear you. Hello. Hey, go go, Mike. Is it Michael? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Michael. Oh, I was just wondering. Uh, could you do raids with uh, ZK Snarks? Did you say raids? Like, if you have a party, yeah, if you have a party of of NFTs, like in eleven fifty one, 
could you do a raid with coordinates? Yeah, it seems so. That seems like very similar to what they're doing with um, Dark Forest. Okay. Uh, I was just wondering, because I, I, I fixated it on like, the Oblivion sort of trope. Yeah, with where ZK you have snarks, like different, you know. With ZK Snarks, the best like sort of use of them is when you need to have like provable on-chain data that is also a secret. So there's a lot of cases with the game where you actually would be kind of fine with centralization, right? You if you have a game, the main thing that you want to be decentralized is the the ownership rights. That, like, I want to know that, like, if I'm holding my character and I have, like, my sword and shield and, you know, like, a vial of blood or something, then, like, that is owned by me specifically and I can sell and trade that on the markets. That's maybe, like, the, the baseline kind of, like, on-chain data, which is ownership. Um, in terms of, like, would you have a map, like what we have with the Forgotten Runes map, where you have to do a write to the chain to store the locations of, like, every wizard that they're walking around? I mean, even if you that was cost effective, it's just going to simply be slow. And I don't think that that would be a fun game necessarily, though. Maybe I mean, Dark Horse does it a little bit. They've got a good solution. But uh, I guess what I'm getting at is like there's a certain amount of centralization that can provide a good experience that's like still comfortable on the decentralization like trade offs. Agreed. OK, cool. Cool. So I had a question. Um, I have uh, about 17 wizards and um, I aped in after, uh, you know, you guys put out the map and I realized, oh, actually the names have something to do with the map. So I, I you know, dive into the whole, um, you know, mechanics of the names and stuff like that. Um, but anyways, um, putting that aside, I... One thing that I have is a concern, I guess, from my end is that, you know, we, the whole building the wizard is really um, something that you guys are relying on us. Well, not relying, but giving us the opportunity to do, to do just that. But for me, at least for on my end, it's like amateur hour, right? So I'm just, uh, so I'm just <laughs> oh, afraid yeah. that um, you know I'm gonna butcher the character and and uh, maybe, I mean, if everyone kind of goes off on on their own, we might not we might not end in a cohesive um, storyline yeah. as as far as like the universe goes. So I'm just wondering if you guys are thinking maybe like. Uh, high level guidance on what like even the uh, the rules or the laws are um in in that universe and um i don't know yep. maybe just like some guardrails not just to kind of have a cohesive universe around yeah i'll let elf speak to this more broadly but i think one of the operational things i've been thinking about is how we can support uh kind of the creators we already have to basically like maybe there's some sort of grant or something that we could do that like folks um, can go to them and sort of ask for help. Uh, currently, like a lot of our folks who are working on this, they take commissions, but maybe there's a way that we could do some sort of grants that maybe help folks who can't afford the commissions or like just, you know, just to help support it in general. Like we don't have any concrete plans there, but I think operationally I'm thinking about who can help. Um, in the community, but Elf has kind of more thoughts in terms of like providing from the top down. 
Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the grant idea, um, and, and I'm definitely working on sort of the meta narrative to sort of define what the, the the generalized lore is in within this world. But you know, I would also say that, like, you, you know, if, if 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 you're not an animator, or a writer, or a poet, that's absolutely fine. And um, this this sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier about the the nature of decentralized IP. Like, even if you just sit back and hold your wizard. There, we've got like a horde of other creators who are like busy, like building out their wizards and, and bringing value to the collection. And I think like, you know, the more other people do that with their own, the more it like boosts the value of the, of the entire yeah, collection. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's the beauty of decentralized IP. Like, you know, I, I mentioned one guy in our discord last time he's, he's writing a book, a Lovecraftian horror movie book about his his eyeball wizard like just imagine if like that story he writes just i don't know goes gangbusters and and, and becomes like the next like feature film in, in a few years you know we have just one guy who is going to bring up the entire collection just by doing that so you know and, and that and again that's just one person we, we've got a horde of creators doing all kinds of things and also to, to do that we, so we have a call like in 20 minutes with some other professional oh, yeah. storytellers who we will be talking to to help us with that narrative nice yes cool yes. we do have to go soon otherwise i i would love to be on this this uh yeah we have like 10 minutes day. i think okay well if I, you... I don't have 10 minutes unfortunately my wizard friends i got a dip but uh, right. it's been a Thanks, real pleasure tim. listening in and, yeah, and nice and thank, you, thank you tim bye. have a good night guys thank you later bye awesome all right, and it, just last thing, if if you if you can talk to the storytellers about um, the Wizard Empress, I I copped that out of it was one of the um, <laughs> um, custom ones. I got it for one ETH, and um, I was looking into who got it. Oh. This Crypto Empress, a bunch of uh, yeah. non for work yeah. stuff, and I was like, damn. And now you guys open up a little bit about um, you know. Which I I I I'm, I don't know how I feel about that. I I like it, I guess. But you guys opening up to non-suitable work, uh, creativity, kind of uh, thought. Well, maybe this wizard empress might help me out with 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 this. <laughs> That's one of the things that we're thinking about with the book of lore too. There's, um, you know, we talked a little about that a little bit earlier, which is when you have some on-chain user-generated content. You also have to balance that with some level of moderation, right? And I kind right. of imagine that as being two layers. One layer is sort of just straight up, the wizard community does not accept this as part of our common lore, right? This would be content that is like extremely graphic, uh, mm -hmm. potentially illegal, just sort of irrelevant or just irrelevant, right? And so we're building in um, a way that essentially in the beginning, the lore masters will be, uh, the keys will be held by Elf and myself. Um, but it will eventually transition that to the, the, the DAO of the community once it can kind of stand on its own. Um, but that, that moderation capability we call being struck from the lore. And that really is only used in the rarest of cases where we say, you know, this bit of lore is anathema to us. The other bit of lore though, is that I think it, that we're kind of talking more about is this idea around like not safe for work. Right. And there's, there's basically two sides to this as well, which is, one, like I have kids, I have three kids. They love the wizards. They love like looking at the art and browsing OpenSea and they like have, I've set aside some for them. Um, and like, I would love for my children to be able to like flip through the book of lore and what they see is 
on par with the things that I let them look at on the internet already, right? There's like that aspect, which is I want, you know, ideally that there's a way that kids can read through the book of lore and it's, you know, basically fine. Um, that said, wizards are whole persons and we're building like a global brand and everyone has, just because like the the stories of wizards should not be limited to the type of content that my kids can consume, right? The story, the, the whole of wizards cannot be contained in everything that's necessarily safe for work. Um, and so we're trying to provide a way that you can kind of just as a courtesy be like, hey, you know what, like this bit of lore, it's relevant, but it may not necessarily be appropriate for kids or certain situations and like providing some sort of like courtesy flag for that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that we're thinking about those issues in a, in a hopefully way that includes everyone. Got it. Thanks. Cool. Well, um, we're probably going to have to go yeah, soon. We can uh, wrap it up if you want, if there's no other questions. Appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to stop by and I appreciate all the wizards who showed up and got on stage and asked questions. Dees, thank, thank, yeah, you, thank so you so much, much for having, having us. It was, it was a real honor. Okay. Anytime. It. And uh, anytime there's an announcement or something coming up, just shoot me a DM and we'll have you back on and we can talk about what's going on. Cool. Thank you. Sounds great. Yeah, thank you guys for this.